Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. Thank you. It's good to be seen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, bless the Lord. I'm excited to be here this morning. If you're joining us online, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, We believe that God's got something for you, and our prayer is that you get everything that he wants you to have. Amen? Amen. So funny story on how I got here to preach, right? So a couple weeks ago, you guys remember Pastor Kelly was preaching. Man, she was like, she was spitting fire all morning long. And it was, oh, let me explain. Because I'm preaching, there will be some urban colloquialisms that are shared from the platform. And so you just kind of have to try to decipher the things that I'm saying. But when I say she was spitting fire, that means she was preaching really, really good. Okay, if that makes sense. So she was talking about she was talking about the authority that we have in prayer. And then she mixed it with the aspect of faith. And man, anytime people start talking about faith, I just get really excited because I've come to learn that faith is how you win in kingdom living. Okay. If you don't have no faith, you, you, you can't get anywhere. It doesn't matter. And this is what I love. Faith is an equalizer because you could be saved 40 years. You could be saved for four hours. But if you just operate in faith, you can do God things, not just good things, but you can do God things. And I've come to understand, I had a, a preacher, he put it this way. He's like, son, you know, if you got faith, you can go places. And when you get there, you can do things. And, and I love that. But without faith, he says, your ticket to the party is invalid. And if you remember in her message, she kind of showed the picture of uh, the the plug-ins at Disney World. And I can co-sign that it's really hard to find those things. But could you imagine this, right? I want to kind of give you this example as far as how you have to utilize the faith that God has deposited in you and then grow it if you want to be successful in the kingdom. So if you can imagine the cooks are here and they love Disney World, so they'll love this, this, this statement with me. If you can imagine you got enough money to fly to Disney World, first class. You got enough money to stay in the Grand Floridian, first class, and you get to the park, and you're on the outside of the gates looking in and watching all those people have fun, but you don't have enough money to go inside and have that fun yourself. That would kind of be a wasted trip, wouldn't it? I had enough money to get to Disney World. I had enough money to stay in the hotel at Disney World. I did not have enough money to actually go in and have the fun that I came to have. That's really kind of how operating in the kingdom without faith is. You can have enough faith to get you saved. You can have enough faith to be called a child or a daughter of the Most High God. But then if you don't have enough faith to believe that you can have what he says, your ticket to the party is invalid. How can I say that? Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. But with faith, yeah, you can move mountains. Amen. So anyway, I was stirred in my spirit from her message. And then last week, man, worship was on a level 10 and... Uh, If it wouldn't have been a distraction for the moment, I'd have started running around the church. Some of you guys are laughing at me because, you know, I just had back surgery and I can't run. But in that moment, I felt like I could have joined the U.S. Olympic team in the 4 by 100 relay and done a good job, right? It was just so powerful like that. And then Pastor Ken got up and he started prophesying. He started declaring the word of the Lord. And I'm just telling you, it it was electric, right? Pastor Ken mentioned this service. He's like, the portal was open. 
right? And we just have to step in. So then Pastor Chris gets up and he starts sharing his scriptures. And uh, I do want to repeat some of the things that he said last week because I think it's important that you hear it and hear it and hear it until you do it. One guy I was talking to, he's like, ah, Pastor Mark, I haven't read the whole Bible. I'm like, but you're teaching people. And he's like, I haven't had to read the whole Bible because I haven't done what the first part I read said to do. And I was like, well, that's pretty good, right? Ain't no use in us moving along from Genesis to Deuteronomy if you don't do what it says in Genesis. Does that make sense? You got to do what it says. Some of us are still stuck in Genesis chapter 3 because we haven't done what the Bible tells us to do, but we believe that there's a shifting, amen? So Pastor Chris talked about how Jesus has a higher view of prayer than we do. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And so he, he kind of implied that we need to level up where our prayer game is concerned. Okay, there's one of those again, level up. That, that means you need to go to a new level. In the video game, there's more levels that you can get to. So you get the cheat codes, you learn, and you level up. That's what we need to do spiritually with our prayer life, with our faith life. Amen. We need to go to a new level. He talked about how God invites us to pray in order that he might influence our lives or our situations. That whole, thy kingdom come, thy will be done thing. And this is what, what you have to understand if you don't understand. God does doesn't make us pray. He invites us to pray because that's the method that he created for you and I to commune with him. Now there's times when I wish God would make me pray. There's times when I wish God would just make me do what he wants me to do because it would be so much easier, but that would be a violation of the order that he set. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Then pastor Chris started talking about faith and prayer again. And he said, have faith in God. And that faith is totally relying on God. And when he said that, man, I don't know what he said after that because my mind went to a quote by Dr. Tony Evans that he says, the faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it may be so, just because God said so. That's what faith is. Faith is acting like it is so, even if it's not so, in order that it might be so, just because God said so. So anyway, I'm stirred in my spirit, right? And so I go back to tell the worship team. I was like, man, you guys were amazing. And I feel like preaching, man. I'm going to preach next weekend. I'm going to ask to preach next weekend. Now, if you, any of you know me, I have never asked to preach in my life. <laughs> never. I'm thinking if God wants me to preach, he'll tell whoever's in charge by the Holy Spirit to, to tell me to preach. And then I'll come and preach as if I got something to say that somebody else can't say, right? But I was just excited and I was stirred. And so I went and told him that, but I really wasn't planning on preaching. Then on Tuesday night at our men's group, right, we were there and I'm still stirred in my spirit by the message from the weekend and by that atmosphere we experienced in worship. And I'm, just, I'm, I'm like ready to go, right? And I told our men's group, hey, I'm, I'm going to preach this weekend. I'm, I'm feeling like preaching. Now, men's group, if you're here, right, I did not ask to preach. Let me tell you how it happened. On Wednesday, I was like, yeah, that's cool. I don't have to study for a message because I'm not preaching, right? And then on Thursday, Shanna Patton and I are in the office preparing a worship list, and Pastor Ken calls me and says, hey, Pastor Chris wants you to preach. I was like, well, okay, there it is. So I changed my schedule, and here I am. And so hopefully you'll be blessed by what it is that the Lord wants to share this morning. So now this morning, I'm not really here to preach to you to make you feel some sort of way or elicit some type of emotional response as much as I simply want to shine a flashlight or put a microscope, if you will, on the word of God and give you the opportunity to make a choice because you have to choose. 
I mentioned to you a couple weeks ago that it's clear that God really places much of the burden on who we will become or what we will accomplish in our response to him. He says, draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. He says, seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. So God puts the burden on us. If you want to be successful, you have to make the right choices. And this morning, I just want to share with you some words and you can make a choice. Now, any argument or point that I make this morning is really going to be based on the word of God because that's honestly the only thing that anybody has to preach a sermon on. Okay, I could tell you my stories and I could tell you all this stuff. Those things pale. Stories come and go, but the word has remained the same from day one. Amen. And so I'm going to share with you some kingdom words, hopefully that you can operate in some kingdom living, because this is this is this is what I think I understand. I think too often we as Christians, we try to validate what the word of whether or not the word of God works based on our experiences. Oh, God didn't show up, so that scripture doesn't really work. You can't base whether God, whether the word of God is valid just on your experiences because experiences come and go. That's a recipe for disaster. But I would submit to you this morning that the word of God works all by itself. And if you don't believe me, let's go to the word to see what the word says about the word, right? So the creation story, I love this, in the beginning, right? Now, I know a lot of people have a problem with, well, in the beginning, because they're like, well, what happened before the beginning? And, and where did he come from? And what, all of these different things. I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't really matter what happened before the beginning. Let's pick up the story where the story starts, right? So I like to say it this way. Once upon a time, <laughs> the spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters and darkness was upon the deep. And then God started talking, right? He says, light be. And light has never stopped being ever since. He says, light be, and light has never stopped being. He doesn't have to daily get up and say, okay, son, it's your turn to come out and moon. You go and hide for about 12 hours, and then I'll call you back. And He doesn't do that every day. He spoke it one time, and light has continued to obey the word of the Lord. It gets to the next day, maybe the third day. He says, you know, we need some oceans. We need some lands, and I need to put this ocean over here, and then I'll put some, some space in the middle. We'll call that land. I'll put another ocean over there. He doesn't have to tell the land to continue to be the land. He doesn't have to tell the ocean to continue to be the ocean. The ocean is what it is, and it does what the ocean's supposed to do, and the land cooperates as well, right? Then on the next day, he's like, you know what? I got land, but, but we need some animals on the land. Yeah, and in the air, we need some creatures in the air, and we need some creatures in the sea. And this, I love this, right? What strange things happen when you actually read the word and not just pass over it because you think you know the scripture, right? It says that once he put the animals on the land and the birds in the air and the creatures in the sea, he said, be fruitful and multiply. I'm like, I thought he just said that to mankind. No, he told the animals, the birds, the fish, be fruitful and multiply. And the animals have been fruitful and multiplied ever since. The birds of the air, they're fruitful and multiplied. Come on, the fish of the sea, they're fruitful and multiplied. Now, I really wish that some of the creatures that he created were as disobedient to his commands as humans are, right? Because I, I could do with a lot less insects. Come on, mosquitoes, flies, ain't nobody got time for that, right? They just bug you. Snakes, spiders, man, if they just disobeyed the word of God like, you know, sometimes we do, we could pray those things out of existence. 
But as much as I dislike those things, I do understand that they actually serve a purpose. And for me to try to pray them out of existence would be contrary to the will of God. There's some prayers that we pray that we get frustrated that aren't being answered because we're not praying in the will of God. Pastor Chris had mentioned this last week. He says, man, I'm praying for the Bentley. I'm like, bro, you're never going to get a Bentley. You got seven kids. All of them can't fit in the Bentley, right? So ain't no use in you trying. He's like, I'm trying to get away. I was like, no, you are resigned to that Sprinter van and that Suburban, right? Until some things that we pray are simply not in the will of God. So don't get frustrated. Don't get discouraged. Learn how to pray what God has told you to pray. Because I don't believe that God has a problem answering the prayers that he told us to pray. I just don't. Continuing on with the word. Somebody say the word works. The word works. Isaiah 55, and Lindsay, uh, she shared it this morning. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, God says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for what I sent. And then in Hebrews, it says, God upholds all that exists, watch this, by his powerful word. God upholds all that exists by his powerful word. He spoke the universes into creation and the universes are in creation. They're, they're, they're still moving. People are just now discovering stuff. The guy's like, oh yeah, I created that a long time ago. I don't know how long it was. Scientists will say 17 million years. I don't know the way that we read it. We say maybe it was 6,000 years. It really, really doesn't matter when it was done. The fact remains that God spoke it and it exists because of his word. God upholds all that exists by his powerful word. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father God, again, we thank you that you're an awesome God and a faithful God. And we thank you for this another opportunity, Lord, that you've given us, that we can come into your presence, Heavenly Father, to hear a word from you in hopes that it would change our lives for a lifetime because of one encounter with you, Lord. And so we thank you for today, Lord, and I pray that you would give me the ability to articulate whatever it is that you would say to these men and women. And I pray that you would give them ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a faith and boldness to walk it out, Heavenly Father. And so we We love you, we praise you, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. So if you're looking for a title of the message today, it's Understanding the Purpose and Power of Prayer. Understanding the Purpose and Power of Prayer. It's not an original title. I actually hijacked it from one of my favorite authors by the name of Dr. Miles Monroe, who wrote a book on purpose. And he wrote a book on understanding the purpose of a thing. And I've come to learn this, that it's impossible to know or fully experience the power of prayer if you don't understand the meaning or the purpose of prayer. Say that again. It's impossible to know and fully experience the power of prayer if you don't understand the meaning and the purpose of prayer. If you own a Mercedes S500, you got a really fast car. But if you take that Mercedes out to the, to the wilderness and you try to go four-wheeling in it, you're going to be frustrated. First of all, it's rear-wheel drive with a lot of power, so you're going to get stuck in the mud. You're going to be like, but I paid $100,000 for the car. I'm stuck. Wrong application for the vehicle. 
If you don't understand what something is for, you're bound to misuse it. And whatever you misuse, you always lose. Think about it. So every manufacturer who creates a product creates that product with a specific purpose in mind. And before that product rolls out of the plant or comes off the assembly line, that manufacturer guarantees that that product can do everything that he says it can do. That's why he gives you a warranty. That's why he gives you a guarantee. It says, if he doesn't do what I said it's going to do, bring it back and we'll give you a new one. Come on. How many of you know that God is the manufacturer of prayer? He said prayer works. So you just have to work it. God is the manufacturer of worship. God is the manufacturer of marriage. God is the manufacturer of life. Quit going to Dr. Phil and Oprah and all them people to try to get some instruction on how to live your life because the manufacturer has a manual. <laughs> it's called the Bible. And it'll tell you how to do what God wants you to do. So I believe that there's a reason why God invented prayer. And what I would submit to you this morning is that God has never changed his mind concerning his original intentions. Okay, ah, Pastor Mark, this is 2021. Things work differently now. No, they don't. God has not changed his mind. In Micah, I mean Malachi 3.6, I love it out of the King James. It says, I am the Lord thy God, and I changeth not. We don't talk like that, but I just, I get excited when I say it like that. Because it says, I'm God, and I don't change. Writer of Hebrews says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on. The writer of 2 Corinthians says that God's promises, all of his promises, are yes and amen. So I understand that I may be reminding some of you this morning and informing the rest of you with this particular statement, but you have to understand this. The promises of God are not automatic. What? The promises of God are not automatic. Wait a minute. You told me when I, if I gave my life to Jesus, I would have the peace that passes all understanding and I would have joy unspeakable, full of glory and I would have this and I would have that. The promises of God are not automatic. You have to contend. Come on. The promises of God are accessible and available, but they are not automatic. Scriptures, Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. So you're running around in situations and circumstances and you're like, man, I don't have the peace of God. But instead of looking at God, you're looking at the problem. Don't look at the problem. Look at the God who can take care of the problem because he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And even when you're looking at the God who can solve the problems, if you don't trust him to change the situation, he's like, ah, you got close. You on the outside of the gate looking in. There's fun to be had in there. There's blessings to be had in there. But your lack of faith, your lack of trusting in him disqualifies you from the benefit that you could receive. So if the promises of God are available for all believers, then how do I access them? Give you the Lord's Prayer model. Disciples said Jesus teaches how to pray because they saw him praying. You remember those WWJD bracelets? You remember those things? They used to be in style. My, you got one? You go, girl. My daughter still wears one, too. We need to go back to that because if you just looked at that, some of the decisions you'd be making right now, you, you wouldn't make. What would Jesus do? He wouldn't date this person. What would Jesus do? Yeah, he wouldn't go to that place. God has never changed his mind. Lord's prayer model. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
Dad, who's in another place, you're holy. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. In your prayers, are you praying first and foremost, God, your kingdom come, your will be done? Or are you asking for a whole bunch of other things before you get to that part? God has no problem answering the prayers that he called you to pray. Watch this. Psalm 119, 89, I think we have it on the, on the, on the screen. It's going to come up. Yeah. I got distracted, right, because the screens are really dark, and you got to put light on a dark person on the stage. lost my mind. Okay, I'm sorry. So Psalm 119.89, it says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled, or your word is established in heaven. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled, or your word is established in heavens. It says, your faithfulness extends to every generation as, is, as enduring as the earth you created. Your laws remain true today, for everything serves your plan. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled. It's established in the heavens. What it doesn't say is forever, O Lord, your word is established in the heaven and in the earth. Why doesn't it include earth? Well, the reason why, because it would be a violation of how God set things up, right? Because he created us to have dominion over the earth. So we, you and I, and every other believer, we have the ability to establish his word in the earth. If you go back to the creation story, God gave the authority on earth to mankind when he put us on the earth. Sometimes, sometimes I make this statement. I think, man, you're, you're going to handcuff God. He's not going to be able to move by, by thinking like that or by doing that stuff. And people are like, you can't handcuff God. There's not a pair of handcuffs big enough. You can restrict God from moving in and through your situations when you don't invite him into your situation. That's the structure that he set up. This is the authority system that he set up. None of you in this room, when you gave your life to Christ, you never gave your life to Christ because God forced you. You made a choice. How oh, you going to serve me today? No, he doesn't do that. So if he didn't bully his way into your life for you to get saved, why would you think he's going to bully his way into your life for you to receive the blessings and to walk in the blessings? Principles never change. Practices change. Principles never change. Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing on the earth. He said, let man have dominion. Come on, if that's too much of a stretch for you, because like, ah, that's the Old Testament. We're living in a dispensation of time where Jesus rules. Okay, Matthew 28, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Watch this. In heaven and earth. Jesus established the word on earth when he came. He only spoke what the Father told him to speak. And then he says, all authority has been given to me and I'm giving it to you. So now you, us, you and I, we have the ability to establish God's word on the earth. So how do we establish it? I'm glad you asked. Second Corinthians 13, one says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, 
let every word be established. Sometimes, if you're married, you could be praying. You're praying for one thing, and your wife is praying for a totally different thing. And y'all wondering why that thing isn't being manifest in your relationship, in your house. Because you're not praying in agreement and establishing what God has said. If we go back and visit Isaiah 55, it says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will. Somebody say it will. It will accomplish what I desire and it will achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So what we see is God is the first one to speak his word and give it to us. And then we speak it back to him and we establish it on the earth. Come on, if you just say what God has said in faith, you can do what God said you could do. You can have what God said you can have. We establish the word when we speak it. And again, I would submit to you that God has no problems answering the prayers that he told us to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In his book, Understanding the Purpose of Power and Prayer, there's a couple of quotes that I just wanted to share you, and they're going to put up on the screen. But the first one says, to understand the principle of prayer, it is necessary to understand the mind and the purpose of the creator himself. Prayer is a result of God's established authority structure between heaven and earth, as well as a product of his faithfulness to his word. Come on, if you're going to understand it, you got to understand the mind of the creator. Another quote in there that he says, it says, therefore, our need for prayer is a result of the way that God arranged dominion and authority for the earth. God made the world. Then he made men and women, and he gave them dominion over all the works of his hands. Man was created to be the God or the ruler of this world. He was given full authority in the earth realm, and God will not supersede that authority. Man, you and I were giving full authority on this side of heaven, and God will not supersede that authority structure. This means that when God said, let them rule over all the earth, he was ordering the dominion of a world in such a way as to make the rule of humans essential for the accomplishment of his purposes. He causes things to happen on the earth when men and women are in agreement with his will. Prayer, therefore, is essential for God's will to be done. Come on, prayer is essential for God's will to be done. So this is my definition of prayer. This is my quote. You can write it down. You don't have to. But it says, prayer is an earthly license for heavenly interference. Prayer is an earthly license for heavenly interference. If you want heaven to interfere in your situation, your circumstance, you got to pray. There's no other way around it. Well, I love the Lord and he loves me and he just knows what needs to be done. And so he'll do it. No, he won't. Not unless you invite him into that space. Not unless you use the authority that you've been given, right? To allow his kingdom come and his will be done in your life. John Wesley, he said this once. He says, God does nothing, nothing but an answer to prayer. God does nothing but an answer to prayer. So prayer is therefore not an option for mankind, but a necessity. Because if we don't pray, heaven cannot interfere in earth's affairs. So it's imperative that we take responsibility for the earth and we determine what happens here by our prayer lives. Prayer is an earthly license for heavenly interference. Now, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what happened like way back in the day because I'm still kind of a young guy, but whenever they took prayer out of school, 
Before that, there were no Columbines that I heard about. There were no Sandy Hooks. There were not all of these different crazy things that were actually happening in a space where we were supposed to actually be in charge of because we used our authority in prayer to make a difference. And then you step out of the mix and you don't pray thinking that God's going to take care of it. God's like, that's your job. We have authority. Know that you have authority. Utilize that authority and watch God show up and show out. Amen? Come on, if we would really come to an understanding of the authority that we've been given by God to take dominion on the earth, I guarantee you, you would pray differently. You would pray differently. I, I was at this Promise Keepers event a couple weeks ago, and uh, the speaker on that night, one of the friends of mine, convicted me. He wasn't talking to me, but it, it just convicted me because I'm like, man, I'm a pastor. I believe the word. I walk in faith. But he, may, he asked this question. He's like, when's the last time you fasted and prayed three days for your marriage? When's the last time you fasted and prayed three days for your children? When's the last time you fasted and prayed? Well, I don't know that fasting works or, or really that prayer works. What they, Jesus fasted and prayed. What would Jesus do? If it worked for Jesus, he would set an example of how we should do it and it will work for us. Pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where does that statement line up in the prayers that you're sending out? Are you praying first and foremost for God's will to be done in your life? Are you praying first and foremost for the kingdom of God to, 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 to invade the earth, to invade your space? That's all Jesus talked about was the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like that. He didn't have a prosperity ministry. He didn't have a healing ministry. He didn't have a deliverance ministry. He didn't have a service ministry. He preached the kingdom and then he did things to bear evidence that the kingdom of God was at hand. Because his first concern was the kingdom of God. What's your concern in prayer? I'm not picking on you because I point like this. It says whenever you point like that, you got three fingers pointing back at you. So normally I point like this. I learned that from Pastor Chris. No, just kidding. We need to come to an understanding let me ask you this. What, what do you think the greatest need in, in our world is today? Do we need more money? Some of you are like, yeah, I need more money. You don't need more money. Those two rich guys who just sent, like they went up into space for a couple minutes and came down. The amount of money that they spent just on that trip alone and preparing, they could have fed or made a garden for every third world country in the world. Yeah. Having more money is not our problem. Come on, do we, we, need more, we need more peace. We do need peace, but Jesus is peace. You don't want peace as the world gives. You want peace, that, the peace that Jesus gives, right? Come on, we need more rest and we need more recreation. Some of you do not need more recreation. Ah, we need more love. We need more blessings. I don't know. This is my opinion. You can agree with me or you don't have to. But I think that the world and, and particularly the church more than anything needs to see a supernatural manifestation of the kingdom of God operating on the earth. 
Come on, that's what I think the world needs to see because when they see the power of God flowing through the people of God, right, and dead things are coming back to life, come on, and broken things are being fixed and blind things are able to see. When they see the kingdom of God being manifest in all power and all authority, come on, that will change somebody. That's what we need. When Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, it wasn't just a statement. It was really his heartbeat. And it was a matter of great importance. And that's how he chose to live his life. So again, as true followers, that's how we should choose to live our life. Now, I know that giving our attention, our full attention to the king and his kingdom first is not really an easy task in the world today because we've got so many other things going on. But it is a conscious choice that you have to make to seek God first. It is a conscious choice that you have to make to seek his kingdom first. And again, I told you, God places much of the burden of how successful we'll be at kingdom living on us by the choices that we make. One of the pastors that we were watching on Tuesday night, he said this. He says, we are born looking like our parents, but we die looking like our choices. We're born looking like our parents, but we die looking like our choices. So a few scriptures, which I believe will kind of give us an understanding of why we have some hindrances to answered prayer. Hebrews 4, 1 and 2, it says, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, right? The things that God spoke to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he's speaking to us. The things that God spoke to David, he's really speaking to us through his word. So it says, since the promise of entering into his rest or entering into his blessing still stands, it says, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it didn't combine it with faith. They heard the word of the Lord. They saw God do great things. But it says the message that they heard, the gospel that was preached, the same gospel that was preached then is being preached now. It says because they didn't combine it with faith, it didn't benefit them. Hebrews eleven six says without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. James chapter one, verses five through eight says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. But it says, but when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And that man or that woman should not think that he or she will receive anything from the Lord because he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Uh, He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. Make up your mind. See, I believe that you can have two realities, but you can only have one confession. The Bible says, by his stripes we're healed. Uh, I'm sick in my body, uh, but I'm healed. My body's racked with pain, but, but I'm healed. I'm a sinner, but, but I'm saved by grace. Which one are you going to claim? Because if you keep popping off both of those statements, your mind has a problem uh, believing one of them. Prayer is the key, and faith unlocks the door. But a prayer without faith is like a key 
without a hand to turn it. Think about it. So how should you pray? 1 John 5, 14 says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. This is the confidence that we have. Bible tells us to come humbly yet boldly before his throne of grace. So let me tell you what you shouldn't do. You're praying and you're like, Lord, if it's your will, then let this thing happen or, or let that thing happen. Don't ever say that again. Lord, if it's your will. Why would I say that? Because most, if not all of the time, that's really not a prayer of faith. Lord, if it's your will. Come on, that's us trying to manipulate God because we know that he's gracious and he's merciful and we're trying to get him to act out of his character and out of his nature. Lord, if it's your will. I don't know what the will of the Lord of. The Bible says he's given us the mind of Christ. We have access to the mind of Christ. The scripture I just read in James says, if you lack wisdom, ask. And he'll give it to you generously, liberally, without finding fault. Lord, I believe what your word says about this thing. I believe what your word says about me. I've come to understand this. When you're praying, right, the will of God, and there's a situation of circumstance, and you're discouraged because it's not changing, I know this to be a fact. And my life might not be your testimony, but it is your testimony, and you haven't, just, you haven't recognized it yet. When I'm praying, God is either going to fix the situation, or he's going to fix me. See, you put all of your attention on the situation and you care more about the situation than the God of the situation. But God's either going to fix the problem or he's going to fix me in the problem. I'll share a scripture with you just to validate that in just, in just a minute. But Pastor Chris shared this scripture last week out of Mark eleven twenty two through 24. I'm going to say it again. It says, have faith in God. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth that if anyone says to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have it and believe that you've received it and it will be yours. So come on to pray effectively. You need faith in God, not faith in the object of your request. Because again, if you only focus on the object, then all you're going to be left with is that object. If your request is refused. But if you focus on God, you still got God, whether you get your way or not. So, so I'm praying that prayer. If I got faith, tell the mountain be removed. And I was in a season when I prayed this faith. I mean, I was full of faith. And don't worry, I'm still full of faith. But it was just, you know, one of those times. I was like, let's go, right? And I was like, I'm going to put it to the test. And I was, Lord, I got faith and I believe in you. And I'm commanding bogus to be removed in the name of Jesus. I don't know how God talks to you, but this is what he said to me. Why are you messing with bogus? Bogus ain't done nothing to you. This is how the Lord's talking back to me. You're trying to get bogus to leave. He's like, do you not know that if bogus were to disappear right now, there are so many animals, so many insects, so many trees, uh, species of trees and, and shrubs that they would be in jeopardy if bogus did not exist. You're trying to get bogus to leave and bogus is not your problem. That's not the mountain that I'm telling you to pray for. That mountain of anxiety, that's a mountain you can speak to in the name of Jesus. That mountain of fear, come on, that's a mountain that you can speak to in the name of Jesus. That mountain of doubt, come on, these are the mountains that God is telling us to put the word on. He says, if you have faith, you can speak to that doubt and tell it to be thou removed in the name of Jesus, and the doubt will leave. God is not a man that he should lie. You have to understand the authority that you have, and you have to pray God's will. 
Lord, I just want you to take care of that person. Jonah tried that. Ended up in the belly of a well. And then still went back and completed the will of God. He could have done without them three days or however long that it was. Don't focus on the request. Focus on God. So I've learned that when I pray in faith, again, God's going to fix me or he's going to fix the problem or situation. Last scripture I want to share with you and just an example about understanding the power of your prayer. Come on, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? So I love it that, man, I I can win because God's still on my side, even though I make mistakes. But you remember the story of David and and Bathsheba, right? So David sinned against Bathsheba. And this is what it says in 2 Samuel 12, 12, 13 through 20. It says, then David said to Nathan, I'm reading fast, so you just have to, to listen to it. I've sinned against the Lord. So David, first and foremost, he repented. Right? He stepped back into right relationship with God. He says, I've sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin and you're not going to die. But because by doing this, you have made the enemies of the Lord show utter contempt and the son born to you will die. And after Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David and he became ill. So David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and he prayed for seven days. The same model that he had used in previous times to actually get into the will of God and fulfill the will and the purposes of God. So he fasted and he prayed for seven days. And it goes on to say that the the child died. And once David heard that the child has died, once he realized it, you know what he did? He got up, he took a shower, he put on some old spice or some Axe body wash, some lotion on his hands. He put on his nice clothes and he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. You would say, well... Why didn't God answer his prayers? Because for that son son to be born wasn't the will of God. That wasn't where God wanted the heir, King Jesus, to come through. David prayed. He knew he had the authority. At the point that the prophet said, hey, the child's going to die, I don't know. I'd probably been like, okay, well, ain't nothing else I can do. But he still went to praying and fasting because he understood his authority. But he was praying God's will. So, who does God give the responsibility to to lead people to Christ? Us. You and I. God gives the responsibility to us to lead people to Christ. Now, wait a minute. He's God, and he could do it all by himself if he wanted to, right? Right? But that's not the way that he orchestrated things from the beginning of time. So you have to understand that God has put you in a place where you have the authority to speak to things. We talk about binding and loosing. The power of death and life is in your tongue. Is that not what the Bible says? Because you speak into existence on this side of heaven what God has spoke on that side of heaven. You have to use your authority. You have to use the keys that you have if you want to see God show up and show out in your life. So Jesus' prayers were effective because he had a relationship with God. How many of you here have a relationship with God? So your prayers can be effective too because you have a relationship with God. Jesus' prayers were also effective because he knew God's purposes. If I was to ask that question, maybe all of the hands that just went up wouldn't go up. But you can know God's purposes. The Bible says he has plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Right? If that's true, and it is, why do we keep trying to make up our own plans? Then we get frustrated. We get discouraged when our plans aren't manifest. But he's like, bro, that's not the plans. I got something else for you. So that's why he said, pray your kingdom come, your will be done. 
We just need to imitate Jesus. And more than that, I think we need to let his spirit rule and reign in our lives. Amen? Like I said, I didn't come to elicit any type of emotional response for you. Be like, oh, it's good. I came to give you what the word says. And you have to make a choice. Deuteronomy chapter 30, God is telling the people, choose. This day I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. And he implores them, please, please, please choose life so that you may live and that your children may live and your children's children. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that I'm choosing the will of God every time. Not saying, Lord, if, if it be your will, no, I want to go to the book. I want to know what the will of God is, and then I want to pray that into existence. Amen? Come on, I want you to do me a favor. If you stand to your feet, we're, we're going to say a prayer together. And I just want you to repeat after me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're watching online, you can repeat this right there in your, in your home. Come on, let's pray this together. Say, Heavenly Father, you have said, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. So Lord, this morning, we ask you to fulfill your word and make your purpose reign in our lives. We have plans and we have goals, but we want for you to establish in our hearts what you want. We honor you as our creator and we thank you in advance for all that you're going to do in response to us choosing to pray the prayers you called us to pray. And Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father God, again, we're grateful for your presence in our lives and we're grateful for this, another opportunity that you've given us that we can come, to gather, come and gather together as the men and women of God, Heavenly Father. And Lord, I pray that as you look down that you would find men and women and children, Heavenly Father, who are hungry for your presence, who are desperate for more of your glory moving in and through us, that the world might see that you have given dominion, the keys to the kingdom, to your believers, to your followers, Heavenly Father. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you're going to do in this coming season because we're obedient to your word and because we're praying the prayers that you called us to pray. So, Lord, we love you. We bless you. We praise you. I pray a blessing on everybody under the sound of my voice, God, that your perfect will would be accomplished in their lives as they trust you. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen. amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.